Welcome, everyone. This is Dr. Stephen V. You're listening to the Take Care and Live podcast, and this is Tuesday's Take. Well, my wonderful people, I'm excited to be back with you. It's been about a month since our last episode. Uh, I actually released a short series called Unleash the Go here on the Take Care and Live podcast. If you hadn't gotten a chance to listen to it, I encourage you after this episode, of course, to jump into that short series, that mini series I created, uh, which will help you um, develop uh, the momentum strategically in moving forward towards the goal uh, and vision that you are uh, seeking to accomplish, particularly at this point in time in your life, you may very well be on the cusp of a major change that requires you um, to make adjustments to a plan that you have initiated and to maintain a continuous flow. There's some adaptations and some adapting you need to do don't miss that series. I encourage you to go back and listen to the Unleash the Go series. But now let's dig into this episode. Uh, I want to invite you to in and engage in a conversation with me about following directions. We have directions all around us. We have stop signs, warning signs. We have stop lights. We have directions posted in the front of stores that tell us, you know, um, this place is under surveillance. <laughs> um, uh, do not shoplift. Right? You have you have mask directions where they post say if you you cannot be served if you don't wear a mask. We've had we have that or the people that work here wear masks. Uh, so enjoy your the comfort of shopping with us. We have all kinds of directions of different forms and different kinds. We get directions from people all the time when we're lost and we our GPS is acting up and, and somehow we've made a wrong turn or GPS didn't cooperate with us and tell us the truth. Right. And so we receive directions from a variety of sources. But sometimes we forsake the simplest of directions because we assume it's too good to be true. But I'm gonna tell you today, and I'm gonna give you some evidence of this, that following the simplest of directions can be the secret weapon to unleashing success and progress and the opportunity you're pursuing. It can be the breakthrough that you need, and it can even be the miracle that you've been looking for to help accelerate your movement and your progress in the area of life, whether it's personal, professional, or otherwise. You know, our willingness to follow the simplest of directions can become our miracle essentially in the making. I'm reminded of a story, and you know how I love to give uh, some historical, biblical stories and from history uh, to really help us um, shape our thinking because one, I, I regard them, yes, as truth, and two, they're great 
principles to learn and take away with for daily application because that's the purpose of it, right? The um, It's not to for you just to read a good story. It's about you pulling and discerning the principles that live within that text, that biblical event uh, to help shape your mindset and give you um, the tools and resources for action and living your daily life. Right. It has implications, not just for your spiritual life, but implications for your every day. And so I always tell you, even if you don't have a biblical worldview or if you are a person who does not have um, a, a faith, nobody um, really is. Um, uh, uh, what's the word? Atheist. Right. That you believe in something. You believe in something that you hold significant value to that you use to shape your um, your life, right? Your way of living. Um, but nevertheless, I'm going to share with you a story about a man named Naaman in the Bible who was regarded as a great warrior. He was actually uh, renowned for his military ability, um, for being a leader in battle. Uh, he was, for all intent and purposes, a very uh, politically um, and socially connected individual. He was an accomplished man um, who was known and honored for his faithfulness uh, and his ability to be trusted in in very volatile uh, situations, in instances where the stakes were uh, were high and people's lives were at stake, where outcomes, um, if they were not met, could uh, result in the detriment of many people. We take for granted uh, the men and women who fight in our military forces. We, we see them just as uniforms with weapons, not really understanding the implications around um, the, the value um, and the seriousness of their role, that these are men and women who, when they are doing their job effectively, have the potential to radically change the outcomes of people's lives, not just in the moment, but for years to come. Naaman was that kind of man. And he was so prolific uh, and astute uh, and such a student of his own craft as a military officer um, that the king uh, honored him and had great respect for him. But he was like many of us. He was not perfect. It's described in 2 Kings 5 verses 1 that he was of a man of valor, a mighty warrior, but he also had a skin disease. Isn't it interesting that even people, you and I, who could be highly skilled in one area, highly regarded in other areas, and yet we still have our own deficits. Be encouraged that you are not someone who was designed to be perfect, that yes, you can have uh, an assortment of skills, be highly regarded in many ways and still grapple with your own flaws. The skin disease is actually, uh, it's also known as leprosy. Uh, some interpretations of the Bible um, name it as leprosy, but nevertheless, it was a skin disease. And we don't know how long he had been living with disease, with this disease. Apparently, he's been live, he lived with it for quite some time, so much so that it, it became a great emotional burden for him. 
All right. But what I appreciate about him is that he didn't allow his skin disease or this leprosy um, to keep him from developing his acumen right in his craft. He didn't allow the ailment or the disease um, or this chronic uh, condition um, to become an excuse to flourish in what he was gifted at doing and what he was skilled in exercising. But let me get back to the point of this, this, this episode. This man, this great warrior Naaman, he wanted to be cured of his skin disease. And his skin disease had come to the attention of this other gentleman, this prophet. I'm just going to name it for you. His name was Elijah. According to this account in history, uh, he, he encountered a man named Elisha. Now, he didn't encounter him all of a sudden. His desire to be uh, to recover from this skin disease was heard by a young girl, by a, by what was described as a girl who was enslaved. She was actually a prisoner of war and she actually heard about Naaman's skin condition. She saw it. She actually saw the skin condition because she worked for Naaman's wife. Now, historically, um, you know, the king, when, when you were a mighty uh, uh, person of war, you know, you were a decorated officer. You were given certain privileges and private and, and prizes. And one of these prizes, essentially, this is years ago, was was having someone to serve and uh, support the needs of the family. So this young slave girl actually uh, was given to his wife um, as a helper. Now, she was taken this young girl was plucked from her own culture and brought into this man's culture to serve this man's wife as a support right think about all the cultural implications to that just the 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 disconnection from her own family origin yet her recognizing that he had the skin disease she said i wish she knew about elisha who lives in this other country who could actually help him recover from his skin disease isn't that interesting that there are people with whom are from different classes and cultures and walks of life um, and experiences, some of whom uh, we come into encounter with um, because it's um, we have just some uh, sort of natural alignment with them. Others of whom we come into encounters because they've been plucked out of their home of origin into another context it being our own and rather than being bitter and withholding from us they openly share resources with us that could help heal the very areas of our life that have been wounded the areas of our life where we're looking to recover that was reflected in that young slave girl found that so phenomenal nevertheless he finds out about this. He hears this and he goes and he asks his own king for permission to go, to go find this man, Elijah, so he can be healed. Now, he goes, I'm going to keep the story short, give you the abbreviated version. He goes, he finds the man, he brings gold and, 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 and silver and, you know, he brings his his own crew with him, right? He brings his political power, his social 
um, capital, all that has been given to him by his leader as and a letter. Right. All these credentials. He brings that with him to Elijah, hoping that that would be what will help convince Elijah he needs to take action because, hey, you know, he's a man of prominence. He's a man who's got backing. And this man, Elijah, tells him, "Okay." I want you to dip in the Jordan River seven times. Now, if you know anything about the history of the Jordan River, the Jordan River was actually a very dirty body of water. This man came to Elijah with all of his assets, with money, with resources, hoping that that would do the trick. And Elijah actually tells him, no, dip into the Jordan River seven times. Well, of course, Naaman, who's a logical man, who is a logical man, who's a who's a man who is used to uh, protocol and systems and structures, putting them in line and following those systems and structures to get the results that he wants. Here he hears this outlandish request from this man to yeah, not not get what he wants by giving him money, not get what he wants by name dropping that, hey, you know, the king of Syria bought me to you, sent me to you. No, he says, okay, good to meet you. Go dip in the Jordan River seven times. So Naaman, of course, is disrupted. He's frustrated and he, 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 he loses it, right? You could imagine hearing a very strange and uncommon direction from a person who is intently logical and strategic Getting directions like that can be quite unsettling. He's like, yo, dude, you're directing me to go clean in the Jordan River. And on top of that, there's other rivers you could have named and you're going to name the Jordan. (laughs) And so here he is upset, frustrated because he didn't get the directions that made sense to him at the time. And it actually took the prompting of a few other men who traveled with Naaman. They were described as his servants, but you could they are essentially a part of his, what do you call that? Entourage. Well, they were few men under his leadership. And as Naaman in his frustration walked away from this request, this crazy request from Elijah to go dip in the Jordan River seven times to get healed from his leprosy, The two men confronted him. They did something strange because here we go again. Two men who were not of the same rank of of Naaman who actually had the guts to challenge him and say, look, if he had asked you to go do something great, like conquer another army, you would have done it, wouldn't you? How is it that following this simple request to bathe and dip in the Jordan River seven times. Yeah, it's dirty, but aren't you looking to recover? Aren't you looking for a change? Isn't that something that there are times where we will have people who are not from our particular class and social structure. Oftentimes we'll interface with them. Again, Naaman has that experience who will step up to the plate And give us counsel that we need to help us get towards where it is we want to go. So here we are, Naaman, he heeds the direction of these of the men and he go he goes ahead 
and he decides to take the risk and he dips into the water seven times. He does what Elijah challenged him to do. And even in the midst of his frustration with getting directions that sounded outlandish and uncomfortable and disconcerting, even in his attempt to walk away, the counsel from those who were economically and socially positioned um, at a lower class, essentially, and of, of lower renown than him, he listened to their counsel and moved on and dipped in that Jordan River. The Bible describes the encounter that when he had done that, when he had dipped after those seven times, his skin had looked like the skin of a young boy. Naaman was, was cured, essentially. He was cured. He was restored from his disease. It pays for a leader. It pays for a leader, regardless of the systems and structures, the protocols and practices that you have in place and have been used to, to getting results. It pays to listen to the insights from a diverse body of people who know your express need and have a desire to help. Yes, it may come from people who don't look like you, who are not ethnically, culturally, socially politically connected like you but those very people because they understand your need can be voices to your recovery they can be voices to your breakthrough Naaman received counsel from people in positions of power unlike his own and you may very well need to be leaning into that yourself what challenge are you facing what condition and hardship are you navigating through? What persistent irritation have you been facing that requires you now to step out of your comfort zone, to receive some radical counsel that doesn't sound like what you're used to? You know, some breakthroughs and progress require what I call an apple cart uprising, a stepping in to the uncommon to get the unusual result we need. It's, it's an opening up to, I'm not used to this. This sounds new to me. This looks strange. I don't usually work like this. This is not normal for me. It should push you to be saying those kinds of things because those kinds of words are evidence that you're getting shifted out of what worked for you to what needs to happen to allow transformation to take place. That kind of uprising, that apple cart uprising, it demands we become uncomfortable with strangers. Naaman had to be uncomfortable with the slave girl entering his world and offering counsel to go see that man, Elijah. And then encountering Elijah, who would give him very radically unconventional direction on how to solve his dilemma. It required Naaman to bend himself to the ear 
and attention of those who were under his leadership and not be not be intimidated about the sense that he might be perceived as weak because he's listening to people who have less political or economic status than he does. Great people of influence are not only skilled at giving direction, they become uncommonly, uncommonly comfortable with taking direction. Let me say that again, the great people of influence are not only skilled at giving direction, they become uncommonly comfortable with taking direction. That means the more perplexing your situation, the more you become more, the more you become comfortable with leaning in to the advice and the counsel of others. Did that last part get you? It, it got me because I know that I can be prone to uh, seeing things in my way and having my own plan. And the moment I receive feedback or direction that doesn't look like that plan, I have to internally adjust myself. I've gotten better at it over time of developing the mechanism to to pivot, to adjust my internals so that I can move forward with the flow of an action or approach that will get us towards what we are trying to accomplish. So I think I've made my point here by giving you this picture of this man, Naaman, and his dilemma, how his radical transformation, that how his, how his uncommon outcome required an uncommon cooperation from him so i've made my point this is here's some guidance here's some guidance for discerning whether the uncommon recommendation for that uncommon outcome you desperately need is actually worth taking the risk to follow here it is one the person giving you what sounds like radically disconcerting counsel or advice has a track record for guiding people towards the transformational results they need. Two, while it seems a bit unusual to you, that direction that you're provided is confidently supported by people who have nothing to gain by seeing you win or lose. Essentially, they're able to discern and co-sign that your cooperation with that direction is worth the risk because it will bring you the outcome that you have been communicating you desperately need. And three, your desperation for change outweighs the peculiarity of the actions you have been encouraged or directed to take. So here you have it. Un common outcomes will require uncommon cooperation. And if you are going to experience that kind of transformation for whatever your dilemma is at this season, being flexible and embracing that apple cart uprising that you're about to face, or you may be in the midst of right now, leaning in to people who are not like you, who have geographic, cultural, social, political views that are very different from yours, but somehow align 
in being a resource for you to help you recover or gain traction or be renewed in the areas that you need to experience that renewal. I hope what I shared with you has a great impact on your view of your challenge and that you're able to lean in to those resources and those people in radical ways to experience the outcome you've communicated you so desperately need. Take care and live. Thank you for stopping by this episode of the Take Care and Live podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you would, like the podcast, subscribe to it, tell a friend, and even write a review so others know just how much you enjoyed the show. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again. And in the meantime, take care and live.